Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Mind Shifters Radio with the Forgiveness Doctor, Dr. Michael Rice. I'm Jeannie Rice, your co-host. We also have co-hosts Dr. Tim Hayes and Michelle Pichet. We will share with you the wisdom of the first century Aramaic internal process of forgiveness. We offer tools and support five days a week. We will support you in building a solid foundation within yourself to live in pure love in Aramaic, Brachma. Michael is the author of the book, Why Is This Happening to Me Again? For more information about the forgiveness process, please visit www.whyagain.org. And now, welcome to the show, Mind Shifters Radio. Hello and welcome to Mind Shifters Radio. I'm Tim Hayes. I'm your host for the first hour. And today is a Thursday. Thursday, July 20th, 2023. As always, we're grateful to everyone who's joining us here today, whether you're listening live or through the archives, as we spend another couple of hours teaching and supporting people in using some of the most powerful, effective, efficient, and accessible tools I've ever encountered. These tools are available absolutely free through the tireless efforts of Dr. Michael and Jeannie Rice on the website at whyagain.org. If you go to that website and click on the two words that say Start Here in the upper left-hand corner, it will take you to a page where you can download and read Chapter 24 of Dr. Michael Rice's book, his book is titled, Why Is This Happening to Me Again? And that chapter of that book contains a narrative description and explanation. The primary tool in this work, that tool is called the Reality Management Worksheet, sometimes called the Reality Management Wake-Up Sheet. And it's a tool I've been using to great effect for over 18, almost 19 years now to improve the quality of my life and most of my relationships and turn any negative emotional experience I have into part of the infallible guidance system that each and every one of us has been given. You can also download the actual worksheet process itself. It's a simple PDF file. Click the link, download it, print it off, copy it as often as you'd like, and use it over and over again absolutely free. You can also go to your app store and type in the three words, Heartland, Aramaic Forgiveness, And before you're done typing the word forgiveness, you'll see the glowing heart icon. If you choose to tap on that, it will let you download a completely free and private app that contains the Reality Management Worksheet. It contains an abbreviated version of the worksheet process and a copy of the Dragon Klingon game, which is a wonderful way to introduce these tools to even younger audiences. And we'll help people do all of that soon and often, primarily because it tends to improve the quality of people's lives the more they actively apply these tools in their lives. And secondarily, because it tends to prompt comments, questions, answers, testimonials. And if you have any of those to share with us, please do so. Give us a call at 563-999-3581. Once you call that number, if you press 1 on your phone, it will put the little icon of a hand by your phone number. I'll see that, turn on your microphone, and announce you by your area code, and we can have a conversation. 
We greatly appreciate it whenever anybody does that because it makes it far easier for us to live into our intention with this work. The intention with this work is to be a service. So if you're so inclined, please let us know how we can be a better service to you. I'm still reaping the benefits of the worksheet I did yesterday in the morning before the show and then described in the Internet show yesterday. And I have heard from a couple of people that they find those useful. So I'm grateful that there are some people listening and they find the use of the tool beneficial. Um, And we have plenty of time for conversation today. It is Thursday, so there will be a support group tonight. Uh, all the information you would need to join us in that support group is available on the separate website, mindshiftersacademy.org. And there's a separate information page for Tuesday's login info and a separate information page for Thursday's login info. And it happens. We had somebody call in on Tuesday and say, yep, I'm late because I was I kept trying to check in on the Wednesday or the Thursday support group information. So, so please remember that if you're passing this information along. And, um, and maybe we'll get to talk to you later tonight. Um, In lieu of someone raising a hand or opening a discussion, I will turn back into the Walk in the Physical Book by Christian Sundberg, and where we left off reading some of the essays. The... Um, One of the ones that we ended with was the never-ending abundance of life. And it's short, so I'm going to reread that. Life itself is abundant beyond measure. Life itself is so rich that no physical form can possibly express the depths of its native bounty. You are life. You are life having the experience of being a person. Thus, the depths of abundance exist within you. You do not need to turn to things of the world to find your richness. You do not need to turn to objects, ideas, beliefs, actions, substances, sensations, or relationships to find your worth. Worth, value, already belongs to you simply because you are. This is not a statement of ego. It is a statement about being. There is never truly a reason to give up your hope, joy, or peace. Life is always there with you because life is what you are. The incredible depths of the bounty of that truth 
can never, ever leave you. Listen to the richness of your being beneath all the earthly conditioning and allow yourself to know this while you are still human, that your physical experience can that much more be one of joy. As I read that, it reminds me of the insight I had yesterday when I did the worksheet. And the insight was something to the nature of Ever since I was about four years old, I have wanted the world to be different. And that came to me very strongly at the end of that worksheet yesterday. And the corollary insight that came with that was, in the process of wanting the world to be different than it actually is, I have prevented myself from being happy, being prosperous, and extending love. So in every moment where I don't want something in my life, I don't want it to be the way it is, I'm not in love with life. I'm not accepting life. I can't be said to be in direct relationship with something that I'm rejecting. So the next essay is titled, The Importance of Action. And it reads, we must take action. Spiritually, without physical action, or spirituality without physical action, is not true spirituality. Because spirituality is about our real relationship with the present moment and the intent we wield in that present moment. This reminds me of what I frequently quote Guy Finley who says, there is nothing more practical than true spirituality. Because in that definition of spirituality, spirituality is just directly observing the truth of what is. At many different levels, all at the same time, in all these different levels of scale, True spirituality is the ability to see life, the flow of creative energy, as it is. So this essay goes on and says, Intention without action is not true intention. Intent equals action. When you intend to lift your hand, your hand lifts. When you intend when you intend to care for the other, you physically care for the other. It is all too easy for the ego to justify inaction as the right thing to do. True, loving intent questions even that and sacrifices one's comfort and certainty in the name of the whole, all that is, whenever it's necessary. We must take personal responsibility for our place in the world. In fact, we must take personal responsibility for the whole world. Simultaneously, we do not need to be overwhelmed by the scope of the change required. We simply need to act where we are. 
As the saying goes, you must be the change you wish to see in the world. But this does not mean that you need to lose your peace. Your true nature transcends the rigorous external context. Your true nature is far greater than the ample opportunity around you to actualize that nature into our world. Your true nature transcends the rigorous, in quotes, external context. Why is the word external in quotes? Because nothing is outside of you. It's just an appearance of separation. It's an appearance from perception that's been programmed in. So this goes on and says, your true nature is far greater than the opportunity around you to actualize that nature into our world. You are peace and love and freedom and joy. As you know that, you're able to then bring that to those around you in the important physical and tangible ways. As you actualize both the physical change and also that change in your own consciousness, you help fulfill your extremely important role in the great expansion of being that is happening through this place. Again, Abraham Hicks says, you who are here in a physical body are on the cutting edge of creation. Essay 146 is titled, A Change in Consciousness Precedes a Change in the World. And the essay reads, The great challenge of our world situation today is ultimately an issue of consciousness. The situation will not be solved by any given political party, nation, or religion, because the problem is us. In our making decisions every day from fear rather than love, until we all, both individually and collectively, quote, grow up, close quotes, until we all, individually and collectively, face our fears and become living conduits of the love and unity that is native to our being, that is fundamental to who we are. Until that happens, we will suffer. The changes in the physical earth situation are very important, but they are not primary. Consciousness is first. The physical is subsequent. Consciousness must change first, and then as it changes, we will naturally change the earth situation. Every time any one of us faces and integrates fear, we are making real progress. Every time any one of us chooses to selflessly support the person near us, even when it is difficult, we are making real progress. Every time any one of us finds joy and freedom 
even when the constraints of physical life are extreme, we are making real progress. Every time in the quiet of your own heart that you choose love over fear, that you choose freedom rather than the restrictive conditioning of your past, that you listen to the deeper parts of yourself even when the local story's terrors seem so convincing. When you do that, you are making real progress. Many times, real progress is made even when a physical finger has not yet been lifted. The essay goes on and emphasizes you are important. Your journey, your choices, your intent is important. Your well-being is important. That is true regarding you personally, not just you generally. You are very important indeed. And you are powerful. What you choose to do with that power as you engage this experience of the physical realm, world, that has a far-reaching effect. That effect may not be perceivable with the physical senses, but it does not make it any less real. You are affecting our reality and other realities, and you're doing so in profound ways every day day. How you choose to meet your daily experience, indeed how you choose to meet each precious moment, is important. So the invitation here is to be encouraged. You have power over everything that you need to in order to affect real lasting change for the better because you, your consciousness and spirit are part of this great unfolding. And as you change, so does the world change. My mind was bouncing all over the place in that last reading. And it makes me think back to the essay we read where it talks about how paradox in actual experience, paradox is not possible unless an individual has a very limited perception and perspective. But in the big picture, in in the total of all that is, paradox is not possible. Everything fits together and works for solid reasons according to these natural laws of how things fit together and work, and it's always operating. And that essay was saying that if we understand 
everything there is to know about a situation, we would see how it all fits together and makes sense, how it's all part of life expanding, how joy and freedom and creativity and compassion, and there wouldn't be any paradox. The paradox is only possible when I have a I'll call it a significantly limited perception. So true spirituality is the ability to see more and more deeply the actuality of life at all of its different levels. And action is important because intention and action True intention and action are directly tied. And fear is false. Because fear is born of this false belief that we lack something that's of true value, that we need to gain something to be okay, and or that we already have what we need, we just barely have enough, and someone or something that's in front of us is about to take it away from us or prevent us from getting what we need. So those are the same two dynamics that Guy Finley lays out to say, in order for a human being to experience fear, he or she must buy into these two false beliefs. The first one is that whatever is facing them, whatever person or situation is facing them, is bigger than they are. And the second one is that this person or situation in front of them is either going to take from them something of deep value that they absolutely need to have and or prevent them from acquiring something of deep value that they need to move forward. Every situation that occurs is just the neutral flow of life until we throw an interpretation on until we create a thought about it. The Way of Mastery has an entire lesson titled, All Events Are Neutral. And in that lesson, it highlights for us the idea that while all events are neutral, my thoughts about those events are not neutral. So the next essay is titled, The Answers That Transcend the Local Intellect. The local intellect, which deals exclusively with forms, things in form. What's form? A discrete idea, a thought, a physical body. All of that is what they're referring to as form. The local intellect, which deals exclusively with forms, cannot understand higher truth. In other words, you cannot find the, quote, big picture, close quotes, those answers. You can't find them by thinking. But that doesn't mean you can't find them at all. The answers are there, always available, as what is real within the powerful reservoir of being so the answers are there and always available 
because they are a part of all that is. And another word for that in this last paragraph is reservoir of being. The essay goes on and says, we believe thoughts have power because we see the power they have in this local world every day. Through thinking, we establish models by which we understand our environment and we successfully interact with it. We have come to believe that the apparently objective, quote, outside, close quotes, world is what is most real. That's what we've come to believe. And through thinking, we're able to learn about the, that world and to affect change in it. So we believe that thinking holds the power. But in general, we have lost sight of the real larger context. So in focusing so deeply on the physical, we have become so single-sighted that we believe all truth must fit within our physical understandings. That is an erroneous assumption because the, quote, outside, close quotes, physical world is not what is most real. You are real. Your essence is real. Your consciousness is real. Your awareness is real. Your awareness and being is real, which is a part of all awareness and all being. That is what is most real. And that being contains far, far more than this local character and this physical world. Your being is here now. Your being is the wonderful presence of life which has become, quote, wrapped up, close quotes, within the identity of this local character and within that character's many thoughts. You are more than that. The truth is more than that. So, if you wish to know that, be willing to find the answers outside of thought. You must be willing to find answers outside of thoughts. This is why both Krishnamurti and David Boehm talked about the fundamental flaw of thought as it relates to human emotions and human relationships and spirituality because it's such a limited perspective. It has fundamental flaws in it. And... It comes from such limited input from the five senses. And clearly, there's a lot more going on here than we can know about just looking at the input of the five senses. We can't possibly know the big picture, so to speak, if all we're relying on is our five senses. Because in, in a fairly generous estimate, 
say there's maybe 20 trillion bits of information hitting your senses in any moment. And in that period of time, your brain might be processing 10,000 bits out of the 20 trillion that are hitting your senses. And your conscious logical mind forms a picture for you about what's going on in life using nine single bits of information in that moment. It is not possible for us just using the five senses to have an accurate picture of what's going on in the world, in our lives, even in our own minds. So therein lies the value of the direct observation and the retraining ourselves to understand how little we actually know to reverse the conditioned thought that says, I know, I'm right, the world is wrong, it's subtle, why argue? That is truly a bizarre statement to make at any level within the human experience. So we encourage people to continually figure out what their mind is showing them. On the Reality Management Worksheet, the first three steps are mapping out what is my mind telling me about the life situations that I've been experiencing and about my thoughts about them and about the emotions I'm creating about it and, and about the thoughts that my mind is holding on to saying that if this and this and this changes, finally I'll be happy, but if this and this and this doesn't change, I'll never be happy. And once I've mapped all that out, I want to get in the practice of canceling it all, putting it all aside, and asking to be shown something else. And to do that, I've got to overcome a tremendous amount of powerful, high-momentum conditioning. Because from a very early age, we've been taught your most productive and your safest place to be is in the place where you have figured out how to spit back to the authority figures the answers they want you to spit back to them. The next essay is titled, The Body as a Vessel for Experience Integration. The Body as a Vessel for Experience Integration. The essay reads, the wearing of bodily constraints enables consciousness to know and integrate a very unique type of experience. Much is possible in the body that would otherwise not be possible. For the spirit, the body is metaphorically like wearing a spacesuit that enables the spirit to enter a hostile environment. But unlike a spacesuit, the body is living. It adapts, changes, and biologically remembers everything that the spirit has experienced in this local journey. If we want to fully use this physical life for all it can be, we must fully experience the body. We must fully experience the sensations, the limitations, 
and memory of the body. as these are all valuable elements of the physical experience. So rather than resisting the often highly constraining and challenging experience of being bodily, we should embrace it. Doing so facilitates the integration of this experience by immortal consciousness. If we embrace the experience then we facilitate letting our immortal consciousness integrate it. If we reject the experience like I was talking about yesterday the insight that came to me from that worksheet was that I have wanted the world to be different than it is ever since I was four years old. That is not allowing integration. That is not allowing me to be happy and prosperous. So we have a choice to make moment to moment. Will we accept and embrace our physical experience? However we experience it, with aches and pains, with vitality and energy and flexibility, will we embrace that or will we reject it? If we reject it, we cannot allow our higher consciousness to integrate it. Five six three nine 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 three five eight one. If you call that number and press one, we can have a conversation. What is on your mind? How is this landing for you? The last sentence in that paragraph is, rather than resisting the often highly constraining and challenging experience of the body, we would be better off to embrace it. For doing so facilitates the integration of this experience by immortal consciousness and allows us to spiritually grow in important ways that will remain with us long after the body is gone. Susan, are you there? I'm here. Hi, Dr. Tim. Hello. Hello. Um, this is a... Well, I don't know which direction to go in. I'll just start. I have this um, suggestion from you or either either you or Michael, and I don't know which one of you gave it because I did two back-to-back radio shows that day, and the suggestion was to give up the goal of being the presence of love and expecting or wanting anyone else to be the presence of love. And I know I'm not commenting on what you just read at all, so 
I wondered if I could wiggle out of that one or. Sure. Go on and bring up what your point. (laughs) Okay. The point is I don't like it. I don't want to give up that goal. Maybe to have an expectation that people will be that. Just that word change might be okay. Or well, here's the point. Remember, remember, in all of this work, whenever we say I want to cancel a goal, the only reason I want to cancel a goal is because when I load it into my mind and it's not getting met, I generate negative emotion, constriction or contraction. That's the only reason to cancel the goal, so I can get access to this hidden connection within my belief system, within my mind-body energy system, the connection between the goal, which often is quite loving and and positive, like this one you're mentioning, and these negative emotional states or these energies or these false beliefs. I need access to them. As long as I hold on to the goal and I and I think my mind and I tell my, my mind, help me make this goal happen and I'm trying to motivate myself to say and do and think things that are going to make this goal happen, as long as I'm engaged in that activity, I can't see the dynamic within me that's actually bringing up all these negative emotions in response to that goal. So it's a temporary thing. Yeah. Simply for exploration, simply for shedding the light of awareness on this, what Michael Rice would call a keyway. And then after you do that, you do your worksheet, you do your canceling process, then you reestablish the goal. If you reestablish the goal and you're filled with light and love and compassion, you move on with your life. If you reestablish the goal and you're filled with frustration and anger and bitterness and resentment and hurt, you might want to cancel it again and see what happens. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. So much of it, what I know... Go ahead. So much of what you know... I heard you start to say something. I thought you did anyway. Um, good old radio. Um I guess what I feel is that I need a full spectrum of feelings, including extreme dislike or anger or disappointment, in order to be creative. And that's probably just a crazy idea. But I have used the fuel of the feelings I get from, like with Sally. My disappointment, actually, that isn't so creative. Being that disappointed, I'm not very productive. I'm probably talking myself right out of the goal right now. <laughs> <laughs> I get too mad. <laughs> well, you know, the the, the first thing that comes to mind when you say that is there was a, there was a, are you there? Yep. Hello. There was a DJ in 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 the Chicago area back in the late 70s, early 80s. And um, he had a serious alcoholism problem, probably other drugs too, but it was a serious heavy drinker. And he was very creative, funny, very, very uh, successful on the radio personality. And he would talk about how he believed um, 
he would ruin his career if he stopped drinking because he wouldn't be funny. <laughs> and you know, I, I, I absolutely, I absolutely understood this of that. You know, with all of my years of working as a therapist and working with people in traumas, and but I understood how ever since he was, you know, a, a mid-teen age, he'd been drinking heavily, and so it was a part of his belief about who he was as a person. It wasn't true; it was just a belief. And so a lot of people who are powerfully creative have had tragic life circumstances, childhoods, etc. And they come to think that their tremendous sense of humor or creativity is driven by their trauma. And it's probably more accurate to say they are the exception to the rule despite the abuse they were subjected to, they were able to continue their creative flow. Yeah. What's probably true is that many, many, many more people with tremendous creativity didn't have the core strength to maintain that creativity in the face of the abuse, and so they shut down. Yeah. But to think that that abuse gave rise to the creativity, I think, is just a complete mismatch of observations and correlation with cause and effect relationship. You know, it's like the wind chime story. The, no, the trees what? don't make the, the the trees don't make the wind chimes move. You remember me telling that story? The 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 idea is that we very very often mistake a correlation for cause and effect. I understand, and I think I'm doing it. Yeah. Yeah, and there is some correlation between people who've had um, tremendous traumas in their childhood and being successful in the creative arts. Right? Right. But that doesn't mean that the abuse they had in childhood gave rise to their creativity. What's probably much more like the truth is they were very, very creative people and they were the exception to the rule that as very, very creative, sensitive people, they were able to maintain that access to their creativity in spite of the abuse. And what's probably much more the case is that many, many more people who had the potential to be exceedingly creative, in the face of that abuse, they shut down and turned off because they didn't have whatever native resources, core strength, et cetera, that was necessary. Mm. And again, if we saw the whole picture, it wouldn't seem paradoxical. Yeah. Right now it seems paradoxical that some of these people that had these horribly abusive childhoods could be so funny and could be so creative and et cetera. Yeah, there's a wrinkle in my connections. I know what you're saying and I still don't I'm still holding on to something that doesn't matter. I'm just thinking about it, but um In the incidents of wanting my mother to 
to love me. And I lost that feeling very early. I didn't care from very small. I didn't seek my mothers that I was aware of. I, I put it all on other mothers, teachers who were nice to me. Any teacher who was at all, my mother was very beautiful. And any teacher who was young and beautiful, who was nice to me, and believe me, my mother was nice a lot, but they, these teachers had a tenderness about them, or they might touch me on the shoulder, or something would set me off, and I'd be in love with them. And then I would, I did a lot of painting and drawing when I was a kid, a lot of dancing. I felt as if all the energy that I had for those things came from that want and the hope of getting something from from that person. And one of the best chancel operas I ever wrote was a commission by a young priest, 17 years younger than I was, who was at our parish. He's now a bishop. He, he had started a group called the Gay Christian Readings Group. He was not gay himself, but we had a lot of, it was an Anglo-Catholic smells and bells, like high church parish in New Haven, he started this group and he was sort of the facilitator of the group. And there were a lot of us in there reading gay Christian reader uh, authors. And at one point we read the story of David and Jonathan, which is always being argued about is were they gay and so forth. Nobody will ever know. But he said, how about you write a chancel opera about this? It took me 10 days, only 10 days, to crank out one of my best things. And it's because it was a gift to him, and it was a channel. It was a way care about him that was not destructive, not shooting myself in the foot and being a fool. I could do something. And it was just the best experience. So you can see how I'm fighting that goal but maybe I need to make a specific goal for every single person that gets into my crosshairs, whatever it is, and just say to myself, I cancel the goal of wanting anything different or special from this person. Um, because it, there's a lot of torment in that. It's not comfortable. Torment in what? In expecting or hoping from, for something from someone. It's okay if I can express in a legitimate, healthy way some kind of strong, loving feeling for somebody. That's good. And I don't want to give that up, but I'm thinking the baby is going to go out with the bathwater on this one. And you're well, saying let, it is. Let me, no, I'm not. I'm saying it won't. Yeah, that's. this isn't about... Um... Susan, I would like to have you take a vow of, you know, a lifelong vow of fill in the blank, living a loveless life, you know, austerity, poverty. This is not that. This is not a lifelong vow. Mm, this is okay. a voluntary exercise mm -hmm. to cancel a goal for things to be different than they are. And in this case, the specific difference is related to the words in that goal canceling. 
But it's not about saying, Susan, you need to learn to live your life without any love or without getting any love from anybody. That's not what this is about. It's not even close. But it sounds like that's how you're treating it in your head. Well, maybe, but I don't think so. I think I'm doing, like, canceling the goal of wanting something from someone in a certain situation, which I then have done many times with many different people, all of whom were not going to be the love of my life. It just wasn't. I pick them so they're safe enough so it won't happen. Oh, jeez. I think I'm going to have to do it on Well, it sounds like you're spinning. It sounds like you're spinning. And and remember that the idea about writing a mind shifter that says, you know, it's safe and healing for me to cancel this goal for anybody. It's not the same as doing a specific worksheet on each person in which you would detail the person, the personality, the sights and sounds and interactions related to that behavior with them, that's a different thing. So Mm -hmm. one of them will just start stirring stuff up about all of the associations you have for being loved by, accepted by, or treated a certain way. And that's going to resonate things about your beliefs about your worthiness at a fundamental level. Whereas when you start canceling the goal individually on a single worksheet for a certain person to love you or treat you a certain way, it will access a different part of your mind. Yeah, I understand. So I should read that. Let's see. Cancel all the time. Well, see, this is different already. I've misremembered this. I'm looking at a notebook. Cancel all the times. I have wanted people to live as the presence of love. And Michael added, or myself to live as the presence of love, which to me is such a different thing that I wonder if I'll just leave that one out for the time being. Cancel all the times I have wanted. How can I cancel all the times I've wanted? I've already wanted them. Maybe I'm... (laughs) Well, remember, this is just a... This is a mental, verbal cancellation process. And as we've talked about before, what does that even mean? Well... None of these words have any meaning until we give them meaning. So the first time I say I cancel my need to be right or I cancel my need for somebody to show up for me in this way or that way or I cancel my need for somebody to show up and live as love, the first few times I say that, I have no idea what I intend, what it will end up meaning. Just like the first time I go to throw a baseball, It probably doesn't go more than a foot or two. It's not really in the right direction. But as I practice flexing those muscles, as I practice saying those words, and then learning from the life experience that follows 
what that might mean and how it might help me shift my internal emotional dynamic, then it starts to have more and more meaning for me. Just like the process of meditation, sit and watch your breathing. Well, what the heck does that mean? But then, you know, three months later, if I've been sitting trying to learn what it means to just relax and watch my breathing, you know, 10 or 15 minutes a day, every day for three months, three months later, it's an entirely different experience. Get so caught up in trying to intellectually figure it out because that's the number one pseudo solution for the non-being mind, according to Dr. Michael Rice and so many others. That that is the definition of sustained incoherence. So don't get hooked up doing that. Just do this practice and watch what happens. So in this worksheet process, the seven-step worksheet process, it has this part near the end where it says, I commit to love, to living a human life, and it asks me to put a check mark in that box and agree to commit to that. Okay, but I'm not even sure what that means. But to help right. achieve this, I'm going to do a mass canceling of all the times I've wanted this specific goal from somebody. Okay, I'll say I do a mass canceling of all those times and I'll sit and take a breath or two and see what moves in me in energy. Well, guess what? In you, all kinds of negative emotions and fear and contraction started moving. That's mm-hmm. just good information for you. Information about what? Information about what you're making it mean. How you're Mm -hmm. generating fear out of it. Or resentment. So now it's just more information for you to use for your next piece of work. God, that's good. As I said earlier, it's it's not a, um, quit calling me God, it's not a lifelong commitment we're asking you to take final vows, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just an exercise and when we do some exercise then we see what happens yep okay that's very good I um, I feel as if I've been given some marching papers or some things to look at. Yeah, good. Well, and you've been looking at him, and all of this stuff, all of these questions, all of this turmoil is useful. I don't like it. Okay, well, you're not supposed to like everything that's good for you. The royal, yeah. Well, and or exercise, and or, you know, nothing but whole raw fresh food. You're not supposed to like all of that stuff. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yet you can still reap the benefits of it if you are willing to postpone the immediate gratification of the fast food burger and fries. The salt, grease, sugar, and fat combination that's specifically designed to make your brain go into orgasm. If you forego that, you can get some benefits that you can't get if you keep indulging in it. 
So if you keep indulging in the goal, I, I really want people, I, I really wish my whole life people had been more able to function as love. That you know, I wish my mother had done that. I wish that. If you keep indulging in that, you don't get the benefits. Mm-hmm. And you won't know what the benefits are until after you've done the practice for a while. Yeah, this is good. And just just remember, it's not final vows. <laughs> Forsaking forever that people will learn to live as love. That's not what this is about. Mm. I hope that makes some sense. It does. I'm writing right. something down. We need to stop, I see. Yep. So I will mute you so that you can listen to the second hour. I will thank you again for your call here in the last bit of the show. And I'll remind us all that we come from love. We're made of this stuff we call love. We actually are love and everything else is false. And I will welcome Jeannie Rice. And turn on her microphone. <laughs> that helps, doesn't it? <laughs> Thank you. Well, you're welcome and deserving. Have a wonderful show. Thanks. So, welcome everybody to the second hour of Mind Shifters Radio. And today is Thursday, July the 20th, 2023. And our call in number is 563. 563- Nine 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 three five eight one, and press one, and that puts you into queue to talk to us. And we would love to hear your comments and your questions because that makes this your show. And uh, while we're waiting on Michael to dial in, I had gotten an email from Audrey, and let's see. Um, oh, she wants to know if there's any way that you can go. Um, to just one portion of the show, and yet you can't necessarily from, you can download it to your computer, and then once you've downloaded it, then you can uh, advance on your own computer to whatever section you want. Um, On the Mind Shifters Radio, I don't, let me look here real quick. Let me click on one, Audrey, and I'll, see what it does. So if you click on the archive, and my computer's running slow, my apologies. Still running. <laughs> Let me refresh here. So, Michael, if you want to talk a minute, Audrey had asked how to fast forward in um, if you're listening to one of the archives. And I think that you can do that on Mind Shifters, but I'm going to double check and see. I know you can download it. Listening to a radio show? Forward. Yes. She, was, she said no. on an archive, you know, if, if you could fast forward. And I believe right. that it will let you. And what you have to do is, like, at the top of your screen, there will be the play bar, not in the middle. Like, if you click on, on listen to a show, if you click right in the middle, it doesn't let you. But up at the top, if you click play, then you can fast forward to whatever section um, you want in it. 
and you can download it to your computer and you can fast forward. So you can do it either way and that would work. So you can do it. Yeah, you can. How cool is that? You can also, Audrey, download a player called, uh, let's see, what's the name of the player, Jeannie, that we usually recommend? Oh, iHeartRadio. iHeartRadio. Yeah, if you just go to your app store and download iHeartRadio, you can go to all of the radio shows. Most uh, most players, when you download them on your phone, limit you to about 300 shows. And uh, the iHeartRadio uh, player will show you all, I don't know, close to 5,000 shows. <clears throat> and then you can select them and, and jump around in them too, which a lot of players don't allow you to do. So that's handy. Other than that, how do you be, young lady? She's actually not on the show. She had sent me an email, so I answered it. Oh, sent an email. Oh, okay. Cool. Yeah. Awesome. Well, welcome, everybody. And if you have the space, join us this afternoon, 3.30 Eastern Time. That will be 8.30 in London, England. And we'll be doing a lesson from A Course in Miracles entitled, What is the World? One of my favorite lessons, one of the most, I believe, important lessons in The Course in Miracles to understand, and one of the most deeply misunderstood lessons in the Course. So we're going to cover that lesson this afternoon at 3.30 Eastern Time. You can go to our website, whyagain.org, and go to the Events button. Click there, and you'll see a link to a Zoom call for this afternoon at 3.30. Again, that's Eastern Time. And so you can listen, ask questions on that uh, uh, Zoom call. It will be available in the archives in, in a day or two if you don't get a chance to do it live today. And, uh, and beyond that, Ms. Jeannie, do we have anybody in the phone queue with a hand up or anything happening in the chat room? Nope, it is all quiet. So, oh, sorry, I didn't know I had, was not muted when I coughed there. Sorry about coughing in your ear. Uh, so do we Actually, want to go to muted. next? Oh, good. <laughs> yes. <laughs> cool. Let's go for it. All right. So we are on Chapter 16. We're getting close to the end. And this is in Michael Singer's book called The Untethered Soul. And this chapter is called The Spiritual Path of Non-Resistance. One should view their spiritual work as learning to live life without stress, problems, fear, or melodrama. This path of using life to evolve spiritually is truly the highest path. There really is no reason for tension or problems. Stress only happens when you resist life's events. If you're neither pushing life away nor pulling it toward you, then you are not creating any resistance. You are simply present. Let's let's throw a thought in there. Let's throw a thought in there. We, We do a workshop entitled Getting the Stress You Need. Without stress, you wouldn't be alive. If you didn't have the stress of thirst, you wouldn't drink. If you didn't drink, you would dry up and blow away. You'd dehydrate and die. And so, actually, we want to be clear about how stress is created, what the purpose of stress is. And as the workshop title we do, 
on stress is called getting the stress you need. Stress is a necessary part of life. And so when you realize that every time that you set a goal, you create a stress. If you didn't have the stress of, oh, I don't want to go out in public naked, <laughs> I want to wear clothes, <laughs> you'd be walking around naked because the reason you get dressed is because you have a goal to wear clothes. So every behavior that happens, happens as a result of a stress. And we're offering that the way you clean up the kinds of stresses that are destructive is that you recognize, when, when I say destructive, I mean that introduce into your physiology or into your awareness some sort of a disintegrative energy. The reason those energetic patterns are introduced into your awareness is because they're inside of you and they're activated or resonated by the gold that you hold. The core of forgiveness, it's such a, in, in the normal thinking of we as humans, this idea of forgiveness as it was taught in the first century Aramaic is totally, completely idiotic and senseless. Because well, let's say you've got a perfectly wonderful goal. You have a friend and that friend's nasty to you and you go into rage. And you realize that you have a goal for that friend to be gentle and caring and loving with you. What we're going to offer is that that goal creates a stress. And when your neighbor, your friend, violates that goal, by the way, in Aramaic, the word neighbor means anybody that you think about, when that neighbor violates your goal and you go into rage, it's because there's rage in you and the goal resonating the file on wanting to be treated honorably tells us that in that file, so to speak, in the mind, there's rage. And so one, if they choose to clean up their rage to be free of that trauma energy, the pathway to cleaning that up is the canceling of one's goal, in this case, to be treated honorably and gently by your friend. Now, that makes no sense in human terms. Well, Michael, that's a perfectly good goal. Why should I cancel that goal? I, that's what I want from them, and they're not being fair in doing it. Well, what you just told me with your language is that this is a fairness issue. Now you've got a goal to be treated fairly. When you start listening to your words and your conversations, you get to look at what it is that's driving the stress in your mind and what is putting those energetic patterns based in some form of hostility or fear into your perception. Cancel the goal. You can't, don't cancel the goal because you're finished with it, you don't have any desire for that goal, gee, it's reasonable for me to want my friends to treat me honorably and respectfully. That's a, a reasonable request. Well, then, Michael, why would I cancel the goal? Because you recognize that when you load that goal into your mind, it brings rage up in you. And rage is a disintegrative energy that destroys physiology. It destroys intelligence. 
So you cancel the goal, not because you don't want it, not because you can't have it. You cancel the goal because you recognize when you load it into your mind, it resonates your rage. And when you cancel the goal, you know, think about, and this isn't a very pleasant example, but it's a powerful one. You know, we all watched probably too many times the 9-11 towers go down. And you'll notice that those towers dropped into their own footprint. Well, when you cancel a goal, perception comes from and is reflective of an energy that's held within you. It comes from a footprint. And so if rage comes up, it comes from the footprint of rage in you. And when you cancel the goal to be treated honorably and respectfully by your friend, that goal, like the 9-11 tower, just drops into its own footprint. In other words, it drops into the underlying energetic pattern in you that needs to be cleaned up. The desire for your friend to treat you honorably and respectfully keeps hidden from you the underlying cause of your rage. You know, it's interesting in The Course in Miracles, one of the things it says is you must return your mind to the moment at which the original trauma occurred. And many people think, oh, I have to remember the deep, dark, nasty thing that happened to me. No, returning your mind to the original event where the energetic pattern was taken on is not a function of memory. You'll be lying on the psychiatrist's couch for many, many, many years, perhaps without finding the root of this rage. But when you cancel the goal that drives the rage within you, projects the rage into your brain's image of your friend, that image collapses, and when it collapses in on itself, it gives you access to the underlying pattern. And when that underlying pattern comes forward in the presence of love, the underlying pattern is undone. And that undoing is forgiveness. So the action is, in any given circumstance, and this, again, it doesn't make any sense until you really understand how the mind works. You know, I look back, and if I didn't have my experience in the world of physics, if I didn't have the experience I have, the study I had in the world of psychology and the study in the, in the world of theology, I, I'd, have never, I'd have never understood and never been able to explain why forgiveness worked. And, and as it is, you know, to explain what I just explained in the last five minutes, 35 years to understand Using the tool, using the process, teaching it because it worked, but not having a clue why it worked. Here's why it works. There's some powerful Harvard research that shows that in a time frame where 10,000 brain cells are firing, there are 10,000 measurable units of electrical activity, the maximum amount of data that comes into conscious awareness in that time frame is nine bits of data. It's about a 25th of a second, and it's nine bits of data according to that research. So you get to see a tiny little piece of what's going on in your mind through conscious awareness. If that tiny little piece contains some form of 
drama, trauma, rage, guilt, grief, fear, and you want to be rid of the drama, trauma, guilt, rage, grief, or fear, then what you do is you cancel the driver, the goal. You know, obviously, if there are 10,000 brain cells firing, 10,000 bits of information potentially available, and the mind is a reducer valve that reduces it to nine bits, how are you ever going to get to the underlying 9,991 bits that you can't see that come from the unconscious? When you cancel the goal, it's the driver that selects which data you get to look at. You know, obviously, if there are only nine bits of data available consciously out of 10,000 brain cells firing, something has to select which nine bits. Something has to drive that process. And 2,000 years ago, this genius, Yeshua, knew what it was, and he knew it was our goals. So when I cancel a goal, I cancel a goal because I want to clean up my mind, not because I don't want the goal achieved. When I complete the worksheet, I, I can very happily go back and reset the goal. If it still shows me my rage, then there's my next worksheet. And I might do many, 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 many worksheets before I've totally cleared up the rage in my own mind. So return, as the Course talks about returning your mind to the moment where the offense occurred, that is not a function of memory. Returning your mind to that point is a function of forgiveness. Think about the brain cells that a particular perception comes from, a particular construct of the mind fires. It's coming up from brain cells. Cancel the driver for it. It drops back into those brain cells. Now you're back to the root where the original energy was instilled within you. It might be genetic. It might be childhood. Who knows? And... When you engage in forgiveness, when you do the worksheet process and you collapse your perception, the memory of that event may be a cognitive recollection. It, it always amazes me in over 40 years of teaching this process to people, when people cancel a goal just where their mind just spontaneously goes to. It's always amazing. And it may not become cognitive. If it's not something you're ready to deal with, something you're ready to handle, it may not be cognitive yet. However, when you do that process and you breathe and you hold to the presence of love, you'll move into energetically processing whatever that's about. And that's the functioning purpose of and result of forgiveness. Now, when I, and, and be clear that when I'm talking about forgiveness, especially if you're new to the show, I'm not talking about the Greek act of letting other people off the hook because there's something untoward happening in you. If Yeshua sat in most circles where they talk about his work today, he would say, that's all Greek to me. The Aramaic context, the Aramaic power of it has been lost, the Aramaic understanding of it. And, and having spent 35 years, and I'm talking about working with these tools full time, sometimes, you know, 12, 14, 16 hours a day, many days in a week, 
you know, in the summer when we do an intensive, I've, I've done a 60-day intensive where, you know, except for the occasional day off for 60 days straight, I might spend 12, 14 hours in front of a classroom teaching. So that's the kind of intensity that's gone into working with these tools. And finally, it's about, I guess, 10 or so years ago now, I finally went, oh, that's why you canceled the goal. I got it, finally. Because when you look at it with the normal mind of the human being or really the non-human, it makes no sense at all. Now, if that arouses any questions for anybody, if there's something about that that doesn't make sense, it's a really like it's the the deepest, most important core of this work. So if there's something about what I've said that you need some blanks filled in or it's like, Michael, I'm not quite getting that. What about, what about, you know, whatever your question is, push one. Let's ask the questions. Let's get into the deepest levels of this we can if there are any questions. And if not, I'll just turn it back over to Miss Jeannie to continue with the reading. Sweetie? All right. So um, you're simply present. In this state, you are just witnessing and experiencing the events of life taking place. If you choose to live this way, you will see that life can be lived in a state of peace. What an amazing process life is, this flow of atoms through time and space. It's just an eternal sequence of events that take form and then instantly dissolve into the next moment. If you resist this amazing force of life, tension builds within you and gets into your body, mind, and spiritual heart. It is not difficult to see the tendency towards stress and resistance in daily life. But if we want to understand this tendency, we must first examine why we are so resistant to just letting life be life. Is it inside of us that even has the ability to resist the reality of life? If you look carefully inside yourself, you will see that it's you, the self, capital S, the indwelling being that has this power. It is called willpower. You want to add something to that on willpower? Versus will? Yes. Yes, that's a, a good point to understand. The, um, <clears throat> the ego part of us, the part of us that has bought into thought disorders about ourselves and experience ourselves as something other than what we are, and every one of us, the true essence of every human being is love, if you're not experiencing yourself as that, you're experiencing yourself as out of something that edges love out of your life. It's been called E-G-O, God being love, edging God out, pushing the, the, the fact that you are, in essence, a creature made of love. Now, that false self that's been called the ego has a cheap copy of Everything, absolutely everything that exists in the actuality of life, the actual creation. 
Most everybody stands around and watches an event happen in actuality, or pardon me, to be correct, thinks they're watching the event happening in actuality, when in fact they're watching the event replicated by their mind. They're not experiencing the event at all. And that's why the why is this happening to me again experience changes when you do forgiveness because when you change the content of your mind, you change the output of your mind. Most people think when they first pick up my book, why is this happening to me again, their thought is really more like why are they doing this to me again? And they want to change what other people are doing to them. They have no real realization that what they're experiencing is the output of their own minds doing the same thing to them over and over and over again. We have this amazing capacity to take the digital information within us and turn it into a world of pictures. And if I direct my mind, the, the basic attribute of the mind is that it is an evidential device. And the only evidence that it can ever give you is evidence of your own BS. That's belief system, of course. I know everybody who heard that went belief system when I said BS, right? Mm -hmm. Notice that every mind has a different reality because every mind comes to every event with different content. And if we're experiencing it through our minds... And we don't ever go inside of ourselves and explore and clean up what's there. Then we get to do the why, and the, and the true thing is, why am I doing this to myself again? The why is this happening to me again experience is happening inside of us, done by our minds. And when you start to transmute trauma-based information inside of your mind, then your mind starts to show you a whole different reality. You get to live in a different world. Everything changes. And so what we're working to do with these tools is to offer people the tool with which to access, process out the realities that are based in pain. So there's this False self, that's the self, if you go back and read Yeshua's teachings, he says, in order for you, being, to live, you, false self, ego, have to die. That the, the false self, self has to be collapsed and removed in order to make space for the truth of who we are to come forward into our experience. So that false self has a cheap copy of everything that's real in the spiritual dimensions. Dimension. One of the attributes of our being is the attribute of will or faculty of will. And will is the tool with which you manage your mind and you tell your mind what it's supposed to be doing. The mind is managed, let's tie this in with forgiveness, through goals. You cannot directly manage your mind. You know, like the person who says, oh, yeah, I've quit smoking 500 times. I told my mind I wanted to quit smoking, and, and I did for 12 hours. The mind is directed, controlled, managed through 
indirection. You can't just tell it what to do. You have to give it a goal that asks it to produce a result. And then it will draw on its resources and produce a construct, a reality, that will guide you in behavior to doing what, it ha- what its information says will best and most easily produce that result. That's the faculty of will. There's a cheap copy of that, and the cheap copy is willpower. And willpower is basically I can force anybody to do anything I want because I'm a powerful person. I have a strong will. Well, we're not interested in a strong will. We are interested in the faculty of will as a spiritual faculty and people understanding what the capabilities of our will. You know, that's something we get into in our workshop, getting the stress you need. We address the faculty of will, and there's a worksheet for that. It's called the mind goal management sheet. And when I say the mind is managed through indirection, let's say it's cold in my room, and so I shout over to the furnace, furnace, turn on and warm the room up. Does the furnace turn on and warm the room up? No, not in a million years. Well, actually, we are just about to the point, or in, in some cases, we've got voice control of things like that. But assuming we don't have a voice controller, and even then, if I said to the voice controller, I'm doing it through indirection. I'm going to the voice controller, and the voice controller indirectly turns the furnace on. Otherwise, I have to get up and flip the thermostat. So the mind is managed through indirection. And the way it's managed is by managing one's goals. If you don't manage your goals, if you, don't, if you didn't know that and you don't know how to manage your goals, then you're not managing your mind. Your mind is managing you. That's why oftentimes you'll say to someone, well, why did you do that? And they'll scratch their heads and go, I don't know. I don't know. I just felt like it, I guess. It was just in my mind to do it. Yeah, your mind's managing you. Choice is another one of those spiritual faculties. And with choice, you can originate new data and new information to give to your mind to direct it to do an activity. The cheap copy of choice is reason. You know, if I say, don't think about the color of your car through resonance, what comes forward is the color of your car. And the average person would say, well, what is it you're thinking about? Oh, I'm thinking about the color of my car. Why did you do that? Well, I chose to think about the color of my car. No, you didn't. That's just resonance. That's just a, a pure mechanical device of energy. Reason is the spiritual faculty with which we bring something new to the mind and we put that into the mind and tell the mind to go to work with it. So the Mind Goal Management Sheet is a sheet for learning about and understanding and practicing managing your own mind, therefore managing the purpose of your behavior and your behaviors. So another just slight refinement there. Go for it, sweetie. Okay, and I've also in the notes for today put in the link for um, the Horse of Miracles uh, 
class today and also five smooth stones which explains the uh, faculties of the, the mind of will and difference in willpower and and then also the link to the mind goal management sheet so all that will be in the notes for today thank you sweetie you're awesome so will is a real force that emanates from your being it is what makes your arms and legs move they don't just move randomly by themselves they move the way they do because you assert will to make them do so you use the same will to hold on to thoughts when you want to concentrate on them the power of self with a capital s when it is concentrated and directed into the physical mental or emotional realms creates a force and we call that force will let's, you want to add to that <laughs> yeah let's just do a little experiment here so what i'm going to invite you to do right now is just just using will as the world thinks of will is uh, produce a result i want you to do an action any action you choose do an action with using only will and notice you can't do it it's not possible to have a goal first <laughs> without the goal i mean if you just said will 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 what happens nothing oh i'd like a cup of tea will oh goal gonna make a cup of tea oh will i'm gonna i've got a goal to take care of those coffee grounds i picked up this morning and put them into the compost i'm gonna have to give my mind and it's my goal or pardon me my spiritual faculty of will that frames the goal and selects it for immediate attention so that i can go and take care of the coffee grounds and put them in the compost there's always a goal attached there has to be that's the way the mind is controlled and when the mind comes up with some kind of gobbledygook pain trauma or you know silly direction the way you collapse that is by canceling the goal if it comes up with some sort of outrageous pain or trauma that's the beginning of starting to work through that outrageous pain or trauma by canceling the goal collapsing the resulting perception and accessing what lies in the basement what lies underneath it in its own footprint go for it That is what you use when you try to make things happen or not happen. You are not helpless in there. You have the power to affect things. It's amazing to see what we end up doing with our will. We actually assert our will in opposition to the flow of life. If something happens that we don't like, we resist it. But since what we're resisting has already taken place, what good is it to resist? If your best friend moves away, it's understandable that you don't like it. But your inner resistance to that event for years to come does not change the fact that they did indeed move away. It does not do anything to the reality of the situation. The fact is, it cannot be argued that we're that we're resisting the actual situation. For instance, if somebody says something that we don't like, obviously our resistance won't stop them from saying it. 
What we're really resisting is the experience of the event passing through us. We don't want it affecting us. We know it is going to make mental and emotional impressions that will not fit with what's already in there. So we assert the force of will against the influence of the event, our hearts and minds. In other words, the experience of an event does not stop with our sensory observation of it. The event also has to pass through the psyche at an energetic level. This is a process we experience every day. The initial sensory observation touches our mental and emotional energy pools, creating movements in the energy. These movements pass through the psyche much like physical impact ripples through water. Amazingly, you actually have the ability to resist these movements of energy. The assertion of willpower can stop the energy transfer, and that's what creates tension. You can wear yourself out struggling with the experience of a single event or even a single thought or emotion, and you know that all too well. Eventually, you'll see that this resistance is a tremendous waste of energy. The fact is you're generally using your will to resist one or two hmm. things. You, go ahead. <laughs> and <laughs> what what creates the tension in any given situation, what creates large-scale motivation is the distance between the way you perceive a situation and the goal you have for that situation. That's what creates that tension. If you perceive a situation, you know, okay, my friend moved away, and uh, and your thinking is, well, you know, I was kind of getting tired of that person. They were getting a little boring, and I I really was ready to say, hey, you know, I'm 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 about finished with our relationship. Then that person moves away, and you're like, there's no tension. That's exactly right where I wanted it. Everything's cool. But if that person calls and says, I'm moving away, and it was someone that I was planning on inviting into a much deeper, you know, maybe a, an intimate relationship or maybe a business relationship. So I had great, huge plans for this relationship. Now, when they say, I'm out of here, the distance between the way I perceive the situation and the way I want the situation to be is huge, and therefore the tension is huge. Now, as Michael says there, you know, the friend moved away. You know, that's just the way it is. You're not going to change that. But what you always have charge of in every situation where there's tension is you always have charge of the way you want it to be. You always have charge of the goal that you're holding, and you can change it anytime you choose to. Now, for most people at first, when you talk about canceling a goal, they're kind of like, cancel a goal? What, what does that even mean? Most people have never thought of it, and yet it's one of the most important things for someone to understand in life is how to cancel a goal. It's a way to alleviate tension. It's a way to alleviate stress. It's a major, mega, mega life changer. I usually use a simple example. You know, if you want to work with canceling a goal, imagine that in your hand 
right in front of your face, there's a red rubber ball. And now imagine moving the hand away and the ball is now about three feet from you. And you want to retrieve the ball. You make choice to retrieve the ball, so you set a goal to reach for the ball. So imagine, let yourself do that. Notice there's a tension in your arm, and your arm starts to move as you reach for the ball. Take a hold of the ball, bring it up close, take a look at it, and then set it back about three feet from you. Now, notice you did behaviors in your imagination based on the goal you set. This time, now the ball is there about three feet in front of you. Imagine that you're going to reach for the ball. Set the goal to reach for the ball. And when your arm gets about halfway there, cancel the goal to reach for the ball. Notice you're not reaching for the ball anymore. That's how simple it is to cancel the goal. Now, again, if it's not something that you've practiced, it can seem kind of strange. And it's a practice that takes time, especially if you're one of those persons. You know, uh, one of the things that I really appreciate about Aria, Jeannie was sharing, you know, her birthday's coming up. So she's four, going to be five in August. And Jeannie had to meet her mom at uh, Walmart. She was getting some things. And Jeannie got there early, early with Arya. So they were walking around, and Arya's like, well, Nini, let me show you the things that I want for my birthday. So she goes around, and, you know, every toy, no, I want, I want, I want, I want. And, and, and she would ask, you know, would you get that for me now? And Jeannie said, no, no, when we're finished, when you finish showing me what it is that you want, after your mom picks you up, I'll go and I'll get a toy for you, and that's what you'll get for your birthday. And uh, I mean, Jeannie said that she probably you know, pointed to 100 different things and wanted them all. When Jeannie said no, she was able to say, okay, like she could let go of that goal and not have to push, like, you know, you'll often see a child is, you know, screaming, you know, I want that, give me that, give me that, give me that. And Arya has been taught how to set goals, how to manage your mind, and how to cancel goals. And so it's one of the things that makes life with her so gentle and so easy is she knows how to let go of something. She knows how to cancel a goal. Not saying that's always been the way it has been. There have been times like any other child where, you know, I'm going for this, whether you like it or not. Time we've taught her the value of and the ability of canceling a goal. A lot of adults are still functioning like three-year-olds. And this skill of being able to cancel a goal is an extremely important aspect of developing the spiritual faculty of will, which is one of the reasons why we suggest that everyone engage in that practice. Any thoughts for you on that topic, Jeannie? 
Uh, no, but we have a hand up, so maybe Terry has a comment. 828, you're on the air. Hey there, good sir. Hey, how you doing? We're rocking. How about you? I'm good. Thank you, Jeannie, for the beautiful readings you're doing. That's uh, uh, just kind of flows right out, and it's uh, it's very pleasant. So I appreciate that a lot. Thank you. Mm-hmm. And I've been working on uh, my mind shifter, and I thought, well, this would be a great time. I'm going to watch the radio, keep working on that mind shifter because it's a big one, and uh, uh, this is uh, – Good stuff, and and you know one of the questions that came up uh, is like, okay, it just seems too simple. Every time I cancel a goal, I mean, almost every time, my mind will say, "Well, this doesn't work. That's stupid. You're just canceling the goal. You can't cancel a goal just by saying you're gonna cancel a goal or by checking a little box." But but yeah, it works. So I continue to uh, <laughs> work with it and build that strength. And then um, uh, I, that's what, the main thing I was chiming in on is about the um, uh, simplicity of uh, the instructions to just cancel goal. You mean I can just cancel goal? What do you mean I can just cancel goal? Uh, and that whole dialogue will start, and uh, with more practice, it gets less and less. And so um, – as you um, expanded on your definitions and, and uh, uh, explanations of the faculties and, and will and uh, how this uh, as a, a study, and well, how does that work with my mind shifter? And it's like, okay, so my mind shifter is pulling up all these other little um, thoughts and words and all that are in some form uh, uh, their goals. Maybe, and I just want to get your feedback on that. So, okay, I've got goals that that tell. Oh, okay, I've got this uh, mindset I wrote, and it comes up. No way, this don't work. Well, that's a little goal I just said. Oh, no way, this won't work. And so, um, as you were explaining a little bit more about the wheel, well, I was like, well, let me do a little exercise. This is before you did the ball thing. And I said, okay, I'm gonna lay my pen down. <laughs> now I'm gonna pick it up. Wait a minute, cancel that goal. I'm not gonna pick it up. Well, I didn't have to say anything. I just stopped, you know, picking up. My, I didn't pick my pen up. I didn't follow through. And I think it's that, that was helpful. Yeah, it was that. It was helpful too to show my mind that it's just that easy, Bucko. You know, I was yep. reaching for a pen. I stopped. Oh, wait a minute. How'd that happen? <laughs> you know, I want to make this more complicated. Yeah. <laughs> say that again. I say that the mind plays the game of, oh, I want to make this more complicated. Constantly. It constantly got the little titter-tatter going on. So with the exercises and and the continued uh, perseverance is what uh, helps me to, um, you know, I, I, what was it I used to say? It's like, okay, I remember when it was like, oh, I hadn't thought about this in a long time. It was like worksheet number 2,341. I was like, oh, 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 man. It's like, you know, positive action, 51, negative action, 49. I think I crossed the line there. Uh-huh. <laughs> but that was after, right. after that. Yeah, lots and lots and lots of attempts where, 
oh, okay, I, I felt like a little shift where I, oh, I think I've crossed over to where I got a little bit more on the uh, uh, side that I want to be on, so to speak. So that was a lot I wanted to throw out there. So any feedback you got on all that is appreciated. No, it's it's perfect. There is a perfect story of uh, of how simple it is to cancel a goal, and yet most people when they first hear it are just like very confused. It's like I don't, I don't even know what you mean by that. And and if there's a problem with this process of forgiveness, because it's too simple, you know, there, there's a I don't know if you remember the line in the book. Why is this happening to me again? Where I write that to a complex mind, truth is complicated. To a simplified mind, truth is simple. You know, there's a way the yeah. energy system works, and it's really pretty simple. But the mind wants to complicate. I was talking to someone the other day, and and they were uh, they were asking me. You know, we we talked quite a bit about goals, and you know, along the lines of this conversation, and they were just kind of blown away, and and like forgiveness and accessing things. It's like, wow, that's awesome. And uh, and they asked me, you know, do you do many um, radio shows or or um, podcasts with other people. I said, yeah, a fair number. It's like, yeah, I, there's one that I'd like you to get on. You know, I heard these two guys on it, and they were doing a debate. It's like when I hear this word debate, it comes from the root beat. It's like, well, why would people want to beat each other? But um, they they suggested I listen to this debate because they just thought it was so great. And I, and I listened after we had talked. And it was just like, these two highly educated intellects, one guy was a, a university professor and the other guy was a neuroscientist, and they're doing this debate around, you know, what's right, atheism or, you know, theological approaches to life. And, and they were just going back and forth, tit for tat, and it was, and it was such a an inane, useless exercise for me. This guy found it was very mentally stimulating. It's like, yeah, well, that's kind of sometimes what the mind wants. It wants mental stimulation, and that's a way to avoid really, truly living one's life. So the, so to me, the debate was kind of more like mental masturbation than anything that was of any interest or could have possibly had any value whatsoever. And a lot of the ego mind, because its goals are, well, I'm supposed to win, I'm supposed to be better than, I have to score the points in the debate, was just like, why would somebody waste one's time? And when you get down to the simplicity of it, life is pretty awesome and pretty simple and straightforward. And that forgiveness piece is such a profound piece of the puzzle. Mm. Yes. And so your example is a great backup to reaching for the ball. Yeah, it's like here it is. That's all it takes to cancel a goal. But people oftentimes want it to be more difficult, more complicated. Well, I I need to understand the worksheet. No, you don't need to understand. Just do the step. What's the step say? I feel. Just fill in the step. Well, I don't understand it. Well, what are you feeling? Oh, that's right. But I don't understand it. Well, it's not to understand. It's just answer the questions. There's no big intellectual game about the worksheets. It's just a series of steps for cleaning up the mind. And the beauty of it is it works. <laughs> so, 
Right. Would you talk a little bit more about the uh, interconnection between a mind shifter and can't the goal canceling and all? Sure. The the idea of the mind shifter is uh, well. First of all, our definition: a mind shifter is a thought about an issue in one's life around which they have negative thoughts, and it's the opportunity through resonance to surface process and release the negative thoughts. So if one lives in an unconscious state, you know, this afternoon we're doing the uh, uh, Hear My Voice book club out of London, England at 3.30. And the woman who runs it is a young lady named Yinka. And early, you know, we've been doing the book club for over a year now, but one of the early sessions, she came to the session and shared with the group that she was doing a mind shifter or actually it might have been a worksheet. I'm not sure which it was now. But whichever it was, she got in touch with the thought. And the way she spoke about it, she said, you know, I, I've, I've lived my whole life. And her way of explaining was this thought gone before me everywhere. And I never realized it even that I'd ever even believed this. But her what she got in touch with when she was doing that piece of work was that she held a thought that she didn't deserve to be alive. And she realized that, like, that thought, I don't deserve to be alive, precedes me everywhere. And so the idea of a mind shifter is to surface thoughts like that. So bingo, there it is. It's in front of me. I can become aware of it. People live their lives out of hidden thoughts and never realize what's driving them. So this is a way to bring them to awareness. And then once one does a mind shifter, and for anybody who's listening to the show, uh, when, you, when you get a mind shifter, what we invite you to do is take a piece of paper or a notebook, divide the page in two, and on the left-hand side of the page, write the mind shifter. And on the right-hand side of the page, write whatever comes up in response to it the good, the bad, and the ugly. Every sensation in your body, every thought you have, every emotion that comes up, just write down everything. And what tends to happen when people will take the time to do that process, and if it's a really serious issue, we suggest people set aside three, four hours, turn their phone off, sit in the space alone, and write, and just allow every unconscious thought to come forward. And then once you're complete, and I've seen people do, you know, 20, 30 pages uh, where the right-hand side of the page is full. Then go back once you've completed it and review what unconscious thoughts you become aware of. And so, for instance, with Yinka and what she shared in that uh, broadcast, this thought before me is that I don't even deserve to exist. Then when you see there's an unconscious thought like that, that's where you then would do the forgiveness process. That's where you'd start to, you'd use that mind shifter as a tool to come to conscious awareness and clarity about what some of the issues you are that you have and then use the different tools, whether it might be uh, the forgiveness process or it might be the mind goal management sheet or it might be the codependent sheet or it might be the commitment, then use the appropriate tools to clean that part of your mind up. 
So then once you've completed a, a mind shifter, that's what you do is you go back and review it to go, oh, yeah, I think I'll do some work on that. Is that where you were heading, Terry, or what you were looking for? Yeah, and um, so as a thought, all these little things that are coming up in my writing of the mind shifter could possibly be looked at as goals that I have, and, and uh, some of them have been selected and some haven't. What do you, you think that's uh, accurate to kind of way to look at? It? It's like I got all those goals, a lot of them are negative and stuff, and they, they may already have been selected around that issue, and some of them may be waiting to be selected when that opportunity comes up at an unconscious level. Is that a fair yes. assessment? I think that's yeah. pretty fair. And and many that's of the things that will come that. up. Yeah. I've Go never ahead. looked at it from that perspective. That's a whole new perspective mm-hmm. for me on the the mind dump. You know, as the, before, I'm just, oh, yeah, this is just a useless data that's jumping out of my mind, but it's it's not really useless to my mind, just precious data that it's holding on to for some reason. It runs your life. Yeah. And also, Terry, what you can do if some of them pop up and they actually just look like a thought, like maybe, oh, this is stupid, this won't work, then you can back yeah. into a worksheet. That's what I call it. You can put that down as the thought on the worksheet and then think of a time when you thought of that, whether, you know, it was doing the mind shifter or whether it was, you know, somebody had asked you to build something and you said, this is stupid, this won't work, or, you know, whatever, whenever you thought of that thought, and then you put that down as the, as the object of attention, and then what feeling came up with that thought in that one particular situation. And so you can kind of do that to back into a worksheet, too, around each thought if it doesn't actually look like a goal. Right on, Jeannie. You got it. So, Terry, what mind shift are you working with? Uh, the one that we came up with that you helped me come up with in relation to my workers and my business, you know, uh-huh. and that it's safe and healing for integrity and decency to show up in my workers and business world. Uh, so that's a big tough one because what, what I'm realizing is, is that by not looking at certain aspects in this particular case, the the uh, focus in, uh, on the business world and all, and playing in the business world, slowly my mind has eroded. You know, it's fallen into that cesspit, so to speak, that, that, that this stuff is collectively uh, piled up in my unconscious. And then I could tell, like, it was starting to believe some of the stuff that I, I just as soon not have run in my life, <laughs> you know. Sounds like you're recapturing your mind. Yeah, exactly. Taking it back yeah. over rather than just leaving it to the uh, to the wolves of, uh, of um, unconscious thoughts. Yeah, to the wolves of unconscious thoughts. Yeah, I like that. Nice. Well, that's awesome. It is. Thank you for the questions, and thank you for being willing to share that so listeners get a chance to get another level of view of just how powerful that mind shifter process is. Yeah, it's just, it goes deep and, and deep and uh, deeper and deeper and deeper. 
And by the way, if you're in listener land right now, you can go, although Jeannie is probably already putting the link in today's notes, so you can just find it there. But you can go to our website, and there's a MindShifter sheet that you can either look at on your computer or download. And there are three different lists of MindShifters, and there are 13 MindShifters in each list. And what we suggest you do is... Before you go there, pick two numbers. In fact, we've got a couple of minutes left. And do you have another thought for us, Terry? Uh, well, I, was, I, I jumped over to the book. Is the book club today? The book club is today at three thirty. Yes, you know, about an hour and a half from now. I didn't see the one listed. I saw, I saw it for next week. I was trying to. This one is yeah. the Course in Miracles. Course in Miracles. Yeah, the, fir- the, the um, first and third Thursday of the month, we do no. Why no. Is This Happening to the, Me Again? No, the second and fourth. S- second and fourth. Oh, okay. Right. That's second, fourth, third, third and fifth. We, don't... we do Course in Miracles. Right. We don't do the first. Really like, how do I connect to that? So if you go to the it's notes the for today, way. if you go to... Well, I don't know if Terry's been to any of the other. Uh, um, okay. I'm also in the notes for today. Yeah. Oh. So if you go to whyagain.org, okay. our website, and go to mm-hmm. the um, microphone on the page, click on it, drill down to today's date, and you'll see the notes for today. And in there is a Zoom link for the uh, Hear My Voice book club. Course in Miracles, and we're going to do the lesson, What is the World Today? Powerful lesson. And I was going to say that uh, if somebody wanted to select a mind shifter, but the show's about to cut us off, but maybe tomorrow we can start with that if anybody's interested. Pick two numbers, a number from one to three. First one that comes to your mind, I'm going to invite you to write that down now. First number that comes, one, two, or three. And then a second number from one to 13. And then if you call in tomorrow and give us those two numbers, we'll give you your mind shifter. And, Terry, the show is just about down to zero points, so it's going to cut us off. I appreciate your input. And if there's more for us to cover, maybe we can do that tomorrow. 